Sigmund. You're listening to Dear Sigmund. Is that the actual starting? Sure. <laughs> You're sure. listening to Dear Sigmund. And this is uh, Shannon Miller and myself, J.P. Shand. Uh, and we are practitioners in mental health. Uh, I'm a psychiatrist, and you are, as we established a snake in the last oil one, salesman. yes, but a board-certified one. <laughs> yes, yes, I've taken all the tests, <laughs> and uh, and we are here to answer your questions. As mm-hmm. we established in the last episode, is uh, you know sometimes a little bit difficult to get in to see somebody or talk to somebody uh, professional. So we'd like to just offer some of our insights, or at least the way that we think about things, uh, through answering some questions of yours. In normal everyday language. Yes. And please. Often profanity. Don't sue us. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just chill out. No, definitely for educational and entertainment purposes yeah. only. But uh, if you're clutching your pearls and you don't like what you hear, just turn it off. <laughs> yes. Just turn You've it heard off. You've clutching your pearls for a while. That's a good I know, image. I know. <gasps> <gasps> yeah. Well, shall we listen to a question? Sure. Jesse, hit us up. Dear Sigmund, how do I deal with my oldest brother, 62? He acts like a man-child who throws an absolute temper tantrum when he doesn't get his way. For pretty much all of his life, he has had no real responsibilities. He has lived at home under a parent's roof. I have been constantly told by my father and other brother that I need to talk to him about his attitude. I feel that doesn't work. Other than telling him that I'm done with his shenanigans and cut off ties with him, I don't know how to deal with this issue and I'm stressed out. Not your problem. I think that's actually the right answer. Yeah, not your problem. Three words, not your problem. I mean, again, this ties back to um, boundaries. Yes, which we talked about in the last episode. Which we had just talked about in the last episode was that he is your brother. He is not your child. Your relationship with him gets to be defined by you. It sounds to me like your brother and your father want to put you more in a parental role. Do you want to be in the parental role? If you don't, then you don't, right? You get to decide what the role is that you want to occupy in your brother's life. And if it's not a parental figure, and it sounds like your brother's been infantilized quite a bit, no. And not only that, this isn't your problem. This is your parents' problem. He's living under their roof. Yeah, describe infantilized. Just say what that means. Making him into a child. Yeah. Treated as a child. Yeah, treated as a child, as a child, coddled, no expectations, no responsibilities. You're perpetually, you know, prepubescent, you yeah. know. Oh, well, you can mold here. this behavior, though, because all of a sudden it becomes uh, an asset, right? That you can utilize this, these tantrums, or you can utilize this indignance. You lost, you lost Yeah, what well, you I mean? mean, like somebody who has been infantilized all of a sudden can use that to their advantage because, you know, the oh, whole yeah, family you sees underestimate them as a child. Me. Yeah, and then, oh my gosh, I can get my way if I just throw a fit. I don't oh, even yeah. have to leave mom and dad's house. I have free rent. I can't work. Yeah, there's a lot to that. Cook know? me dinner. Yeah. Do my laundry. So it's very rewarding to that individual and probably not something that a few words that say suck it up, buttercup, or I can't remember. Especially the coming from the sister. Said. Right. The sister or brother? Who, who is she? I pictured a brother. Oh. I don't um, know why I pictured it as a, as a brother. I don't know. I pictured it as a sister. Okay. All right. I don't. Right. I, and I See, have this no is where idea. the voice. The, this is where the voice recordings could help. I know. My brother, right. and then we would know. Yeah. Um, Not your problem. This is for your parents to handle with your brother, and them trying to put the problem onto you 
is part of the originating problem, which is them not accepting their responsibility in the parental role to kick the bird from the nest. Which is where this all started. Right. And they want you to do their dirty work for them. No. Go on with your bad self. Live your life. Do your thing. Your parents and your brother need to sort themselves out. It is Mm -hmm. not your responsibility. And it's easier said than done, because I'm sure there's a lot of triangulation here, too, that this individual's probably put into this tough spot. Uh, probably a lot of the interactions that they're trying to have a relationship with their parents ends up talking about brother, you know, let's call him Steve. Steve, you know, is doing the wrong thing. Can you please just talk to him? And then you're like, hey, I don't want to because I want to live my own life. Well, we hate you. Why won't you just talk to Steve? He's ruining our life. You know, and but parents could also hard. be hiding behind triangulating on her, right? Because if she takes all the fire, right? So she's the one that comes out and is like, "Get out of their basement. Get go do your thing. Stop doing X, Makes Y, and Z." Makes her the bad person. She's the bad person, and then they get to be like, oh, "Can't it's you okay. believe your sister really wants you out of here?" I know. <laughs> kind of right? right though, right? Oh no. All right, fine. You can stay in the basement. <laughs> right. Yeah. You don't want to be drawn into this. Yeah. It's kind of scapegoating would be kind of scapegoating. Yeah, it would put you in the scapegoat role then, or the scapegoat for the tough conversation. The tough conversation, right? Yeah. So it sounds to me like wow, and we're really like superimposing like these whole identities onto this person's family. But Steve, I'm picturing Steve as a big long beard, lives in the basement, loves Pokemon, and he has like three ginormous computer screens surrounding him like he's got that whole like hacker sort of (laughs) ambiance going um (laughs) (laughs) lots of pizza boxes and and soda yes yes mountain dew Ooh, do the do yeah uh so yeah i I think that i think that you're absolutely right it's a, this is a very tough position to be in but but this is kind of goes exactly like you said back to the boundaries say look I don't really want to be this person in this role. And if you want to hang out with me, it can't be always talking about Steve. Mm-hmm. We, we can be a family. We can have family dinners. We can enjoy our time together. But I cannot be the one to fix this. Steve and you parents have to figure this out. I've and if you keep job. talking about Steve, this is what I'm going to do. Yeah. Right. There has to be mm. sort of like this forewarning of if you don't abide by my boundary, this is the action I'm going to take. We can't keep. We can't meeting for Sunday dinners, dinner. Always, we can't. Right. I, I won't keep coming over for dinner if all we ever do is talk about him and how I'm supposed to fix it. Yeah. I don't want to come over and hear that. You know, it doesn't have to be fancy language like what we're saying, but basically mm-hmm. you need to communicate. If you keep doing this, then this is the action I'm going to take. Yeah. And probably right. do it really clearly with a cool head. Don't wait till you're upset and angry and, you know, sick yeah, and tired of hearing it. Yeah, because that invalidates the message. Because then you yell it, and then all of a sudden it does is not taken seriously. So right. come prepared and be like, hey, I hear what you're saying. I really feel feel for you all, but uh, but I, I can't be in this position anymore. And if this is going to continue to happen and this is my only role in the family, I don't think that we, you know, should spend as much time together. That's a really politically correct way of saying it. <laughs> However you want to say it practice in front of the mirror i mean seriously like we make fun of people for doing things like practicing it practice it that gains confidence that is sort of that thing you can switch on to autopilot in those tense anxious moments where you don't really have to be fully um engaged in thinking you can just go into the lines that you rehearsed so rehearse them no one has to know that you're doing it yeah um but i would say not your problem Let everybody know that and do your thing. Go do you.
Yeah. <laughs> All right, Jesse. What's next? Dear Sigmund, what do you recommend for healing generational trauma, or better yet, empowering our children and younger generations to face adversity without creating trauma or victimhood through our experiences? Oh, see, this is one where I'd like more background. Well, she gives us more background. Keep reading, Jesse. Oh, okay. Um, oh, nice. I'll give you some background. Oh, my. <laughs> Wait, that was like, that was not a planned Ooh. setup. That was weird. Yep. Yeah. Here, give me one second. Yep. I'll give you some background. Female, Hispanic, childhood trauma, alcoholic father, verbally, uh, physically abusive, CPTSD, medical negligence and disrespect, obstet trick violence physically held down during labor ignored not respected retained placenta as well as living through hurricane irma and hurricane maria with no power no water and street violence and used alcohol to cope then bam covid hit cold turkey quit alcohol during lockdown and that didn't phase me because i've lived through the aforementioned but was severely sick and diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis in the middle of the pandemic. I'm not asking for medical advice. I would just like your opinion on not inadvertently traumatizing our kids. Wow, that is heavy. First of all, I'm really sorry for everything you've been through, no doubt. Um, and CPTSD, just so everyone knows, it's chronic post-traumatic stress disorder. That's the way we Complex. That's what I said. Okay. If I say, You yeah, say chronic. I have I a speech complex. impediment. Every time I say complex i i mean right. chronic all right i'll be your it goes the other way i'll too. be your translator good <laughs> <laughs> i mean but the obstetric violence yeah that's that is yeah oh that just sends shivers up my spine i don't know what that means so it sounds physically like held down during labor yeah so during so violent childbirths where yeah. the the mother is just completely disregarded and violated and this happens a lot in like uh, you know countries that don't have access to anesthesia. Um, I, I, I don't. I'm not assuming that this person is was in you know any kind of a state like that. But that is some places that you really hear this very often. There's no anesthesia. There's very little pain control. People are just kind of restrained during childbirth, and it is really they're treated like animals. Yeah, Whoa, it's I didn't really know that. brutal. Oh. Yeah, it's absolutely horrific. Yeah. And you imagine, I mean, there's no better time to give birth now, but, you know, rewind 100 years, you know, maternal mortality was through the roof and, you know, people are dying left and well, right. Well, there's no better time to give birth now, provided that we live in America. Oh, touche. birthing conditions in some countries, especially ones where I've lived, are the same now as they were 100 years ago. Oh, wow. Uh, so I would say the best way to reduce the likelihood of your trauma being bestowed uh, on your children is to do exactly as you're doing. Be conscious of it, be aware of it, uh, have insight to it, and probably seek as much help as you feel you need. Yeah, that's, that's my, this is your wheelhouse though. So I would say do your work, mm. do your own work. You gotta go back and heal that inner child because you talk about childhood trauma. You've got to give voice to that little girl that lives inside of you and grieve for the pain that she went through um, and work towards healing her and reparenting her and giving her what she should have had in childhood. Mm -hmm. 
doing your own work is just the message that I come back to. Part of that is healing your own inner child, the complex PTSD, treating that as well. You know, I mean, just do your own work for all of these things. Mm -hmm. You know, complex PTSD can be treated in a variety of ways. One of the most effective is EMDR. Mm -hmm. which is eye movement, I don't know, you move your eyes and you talk and it moves things from one part of your brain into the other and it really works. Um, eye movement desensitization reprogramming, I think. Something like that. Yeah. I don't know. I can't remember what the R stands for, actually. Oh, well. Uh, yeah, we, are, it, we actually are licensed. Apparently. Haha, <laughs> <laughs> board, we fooled you. Exactly. <laughs> 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 I memorized everything. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, and, and have really good coping skills. I think having good coping skills is where it's at because if you are not emotionally regulated, that can be really traumatizing to the next generation. And also notice when your trauma is being activated and it's not representative of what's happening in that moment. When you are responding from a place of trauma, past trauma, past things that are going on, and your response is disproportionate to what's objectively happening in the moment, you need to own that and be aware of that. And if that's what's happening, then you are re-traumatizing your children, and I would say it's time to seek help. Because you want to keep your responses proportional to what's actually going on in those moments. And that is really hard to do, right? Because we're all a summation of the things that have happened to us in life. And so for you to say, you know, like I'm reacting to this here and now and not what's happened over the last 40 years of my life, a lot easier said than done, Mm -hmm. right? So if you're noticing that your responses are disproportional to what's objectively happening in the moment, I would say it's time to get therapy and to start exploring this kind of stuff. Yep, yeah, I like that. Yeah. yeah, see, complex PTSD is very, I mean, it's, it has a realm in every, you know, mood disturbance, re-experiencing, uh, you know, anger issue. There's a whole slew Agitation, of symptomatology. Constant, constant um, arousal, yeah. hyperarousal, yep. all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That uh, used to be chronic PTSD. I forgot that we've looked at Didn't used complex. to be nothing. It did, actually. It used to. That's when I was in training, we called it chronic PTSD. Was the wheel round? Very triangular. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, it, it smooths out the edges then. All right. Next question? Yeah. Dear Sigmund, my spouse complains that I don't show enough emotions. What's the right amount of emotion to show? I have them and I think I'm showing them, but she says I'm not. I'm so confused. Uh, I think... Tag your it. <laughs> <laughs> that is a really... That's a difficult answer because uh, how much is the right amount is whatever you're comfortable with. I don't know if you should change your emotional regulation or your emotional expression in order to please other people. Um, I think if it's causing a rift in your relationship, like, I don't know if you're happy or sad when you're crying, you can then explain, oh, this is my happy cry, this is my sad cry. Um, Or uh, I wish you'd get more excited when you open presents. Uh, you know, that one you could fudge a little bit, maybe. Um, but other than that, I think on a day-to-day emotional regulation standpoint, that is going to be almost, I mean, you're going to have to fake it. And at that point, is that that's no longer a genuine emotion and probably is going to come out really sideways. So I would say maybe try to just communicate better 
you know, use your words more instead of, I guess what she's talking about is affect, which is emotional appearance, right? How your emotions appear on your face or in your body language. Right? Am I missing the question? Yeah. <laughs> Shoot. <laughs> um, I would say beware of your own intellectualization of emotions. Okay. Right? So mad, sad, glad, lust, disgust. Those are the basic emotions, right? And they sound very elementary, very primal, very... We don't use those words anymore. We say, I'm upset or I'm irritated. What the fuck does I'm upset mean? Does it mean you're sad? Does it mean you're angry? Does it mean I want to rip your face off? Does it mean, you know, I'm not as good as I could be? We tend to water down the hot emotions yeah. because it protects ourselves and it protects the people acceptable. around us and yeah. it makes it socially acceptable. Mm -hmm. We've really learn to sterilize our emotions. And I could go on a whole tangent about how privilege pays into this, right? Because every woman knows she's been told don't emote at work or you will be completely canceled, right? Mm. Go into the meeting totally emotionless. Do this totally emotionless. Um, and so it kind of becomes a way of being, yeah. right? So I'm really upset I found this girl's phone number in your phone versus I'm fucking pissed what yeah. is this communicates two very different things hmm. right and if you are someone that's always erring on kind of sanitizing the emotion or putting distance between you and what I would call like the hot emotion if you're always looking to sort of cool down what's really going on stop it oh Go right for the hot emotion. That's what that person's craving from you. Yeah. I want to see the humanistic inner child. Yeah. I want to know that you got really upset that you lost at Monopoly. You know, rather than, oh, well, it's disappointing. However, you know, oh, cheerio. See, that's interesting. See, you. I was thinking it was going the other way. I'm picturing this person is not a very emotive person. This person just kind of has very baseline reactions, doesn't get squealy when they open a present, doesn't cry at movies, and just kind of, you know, has a relatively, mm -hmm. I would say, uh, not very broad affect style, right? They just kind of don't have a ton of expressive emotion, we'll call it. Uh, and, and I question if that's anybody's see, that's natural so state. that's so funny. I, I say, yeah, I see them all the time, though, in my practice. They haven't done therapy with me. <laughs> what, you gotten so upset at what you're saying? <laughs> I, no. th I think there's an epidemic yeah. of numbing. And see, and I was saying, don't fake it to the, to give emotion. If somebody else wants you to have emotion, don't fake it. And I completely agree with it. that. Don't fake it. And you're saying, it. don't fake not having emotion on the other side. Yeah, exactly. it's going to come out sideways every time. If your husband or wife or whoever has a difficult time identifying with your emotion just because of the way you express your emotion, I would say then use your words. You know, just really communicate better. I wouldn't try to fake the emotion. I wouldn't try to overreact to things or, uh, you know, underreact to things, as, as you were saying. But word say, choice is only what percentage of communication? What about tone? What yeah. about, you know, general body language in general? Yeah, it's hard to control, right? though. Like, this gift really makes me happy. Yeah. Really does it? Yeah, but see, I wouldn't, yeah, this person loves you. If you, if you have that monotone of a thing when you give them a gift, they love you. They just wish you'd smile more. Oh, God. <laughs> Here we go. Buckle up, everyone. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. I mean this is this is where they need to really 
This person needs to call in. I want to talk to them. I want to get to the yeah. Of this we could now. do it back and forth with this person. Yes, absolutely. I would like that. I would say the right amount of motion. Ask them, right? Because every relationship has its own culture. Some relationships don't have a lot of variation of emotion. Others are extremely passionate. Yeah. Right? What's right in your relationship? And if your partner's saying, hey, your emotional level isn't matching what I think I need, then that's what you need to talk about. What do you want to see from me? What am I not giving you? Start with that conversation. You know, like when you say, oh, thanks, this is a great birthday, you know, and that's not like doing it for her or him, what would you rather I said? Like, what would have communicated to you that I really am happy that you put all this time and effort into me? Yeah. Yeah. Then don't neglect saying, why did I have such a flat voice? Well, maybe they just have a flat voice. There's an inner child in everybody. Well, maybe they're just, I don't know. You're such a man. Just not really emotive people. (laughs) Ah, That's just the way I am. I'm really calm and cool-headed. I'm loving this conversation, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Good. I'm getting emotive here. Maybe, but there's a reason why you're that way. Yeah, you were well, born that be, way. could have been born that way. There's a lot of people born that way. Look at all the spectrum people. How about all the people on the autism spectrum scale? You're going to tell them to But they would have a built-in response. They would all, you would know that about that person going in. Yeah, maybe this person is just like that. Okay, well, notwithstanding some sort of outstanding diagnosis that lends itself to a flat affect. But if you have no sort of diagnosis that would lead us to believe that you should have a flat affect, you got to say, like, why am I not showing emotion to my partner? Okay, if they're not showing emotion to one specific person but to everybody else, yeah, then that's probably an issue. It's an issue if they're not showing it to anybody. Yeah, I could deal with it. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, we, we just need to end this episode. Good. All, All right. right, do you have another question? Or is that the whole episode? No, that's I think that's that. the whole episode. Oh, wow. I think we're just going to end on you and I not agreeing on yeah. appropriate levels of emotion. Yeah, and I'm just going to say it really solemnly with no emotion, though. And just be like, you know, I just, yeah. It's the end of Sigmund. Dear Sigmund, this episode is <laughs> where it all done, ended. <laughs> done right here. Thanks for so. listening, though. Truly. Dearsigmund.com. Yep. Bye.